0: Terms and conditions apply. Let's go!
1: This is the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v Okay
2: so Lombardi line we've got the big game set coming up in 13 days SoFi, Los Angeles the Rams stay home the Bengals travel Should be fun. Four is the number, 49 and a half on the total. We'll have plenty, plenty of time to break down those two numbers as the uh, week progresses. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Meyer here in Vegas. We were just having this conversation during the break. Can you remember a time when nine vacancies as far as the head coaching position were open? What is that, 26% of the league, somewhere in there? I mean, nine openings yeah. heading into this offseason. we got plenty to fill.
1: Can you remember a time, I know it's random, where there, there, there were that many openings? My sense of it always is, is there's always between six and seven every single year. You know, that's just kind of how it is. And you just kind of learn to accept it because we spend more time on hiring people than we do developing coaches. So therefore, there's the success ratio isn't always very good. And I think that's really the issue. And so, yeah, it's just part of the system and nobody wants to ever change the system to fix it. You know, nobody wants to change a, the hiring process, and B, what to look for in a coach. And they think they can manage it through this whole subcontractor element. And then we see games, even two of the really good play callers, they can't get it straightened.
2: So here here is uh, Ian Rappaport a couple hours ago. He said, as far as the Saints are concerned, the Eagles – head coach, pardon me, Doug Peterson, interviewed yesterday with the Saints. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Brian Flores. Wednesday, Aaron Glenn. I think that'll be number two, Michael. Uh, Dennis Allen on Wednesday or Thursday. That should be interview number two as well. Uh, and that's it for now. Any early
1: lean on what the Saints could potentially do? Well, I mean, it makes the most sense to go with Dennis Allen. But then playing devil's advocate, I think what you have to do is, is is if you go with Dennis Allen, you become a remember when. It puts Dennis Allen in a really tough spot because everybody in the building who was there with, with Sean is going to say, well, Sean did it this way and Sean did it that way. And you have a hard time kind of interjecting yourself into the organization because you've been promoted. It's a little bit like... You know, when you're a young GA coach and you get to become an assistant, everybody remembers you as a young GA. Nobody just kind of gives you the kind of respect and, and appreciation that you've earned. That's a challenge, and, and that would be a hard job for Dennis Allen. So if you went outside into the Brian Flores, Doug Peterson, now you're saying we're going to just reshape this whole organization, which might need reshaping which might need something. And I give Mickey Loomis credit. I mean, look, I think it's really important to interview as many different people as you can so that when you make a decision, you have at least a complete understanding of the, that what was out there and you can compare when you narrow the search down so small, you're basically giving yourself a chance to make a mistake. So I think that's certainly the case.
2: You know, it's, it seems to me like a job that somebody with clout would pass on just because it's un- the cap is untenable right now for them and the quarterback situation. So two kind of strikes against you as an organization as far as winning
1: over the next year or two. Right, and I think if you're Mickey Loomis, you should say to yourself, look, whoever we bring in here, we, this guy is going to have to grow with us. Yeah. And, we're, you know, he's going to have to be willing to take a, a, you know, you're going to want a six-year contract or at least, you know, you want some job security because this is going to take some time. I know you're going to say, no, it's not that hard. We can fix it. Look at everybody's going to say, look at the Bengals. They fix it. Well, the Bengals said, you know, they got Burrow. I mean, the Bengals wouldn't have fixed it if they didn't get Burrow. Let's be real clear here. That's right. Right? That's I mean, right. The the Bengals fixed it because they had the first pick in a draft when there was somebody worthwhile to pick in that draft. Then that, that was that's that warranted the pick. This year there's really not. There's not a quarterback to pick, you know, and so the Chargers get lucky with Herbert. Miami, we'll see what happens with them.
2: So I don't know if you know, it's official. I, I, I would assume it's becoming official now, right? And that is the Raiders, and I'm going to mispronounce mm-hmm. his name. So, Ziegler as the general manager. Yeah, Ziegler. Z- yep. Ziegler, mm-hmm. and then Josh McDaniels, head coach. Uh, that seems like it's pretty much a done deal.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, I think there's going to be a press conference today, actually. I mean, the Raiders have already announced Ziegler. Yes. And so I'm sure they're going to announce. They've already put that on Twitter, and they're going to announce Josh McDaniels. And Josh has informed the Patriots that he's leaving. So, look, I think this is a home run hire for the for the for the the Raiders. As you know, I love Josh. I love the situation. I think he's one of the best play callers in football. I think he's waited a long time to become a head coach. He he left Indianapolis at the altar, which I thought was a great job for him. And then Andrew lucked it and come back. And so that actually. Wasn't as great a job, but this job to me, because of Mark Davis, because Mark Davis wants to win and he's going to be willing to step aside and let Josh set up his his organization. And and as I wrote today for the Daily Coach, is oftentimes some of Bill's assistants, they don't understand the difference between train and retrain. They think everybody is following suit with the way Belichick's program is. When there's a lot of of tension and and decisiveness within an organization because coaches who have been trained one way don't want to do it the other way. And that creates some conflict in the organization. Then when you layer in not winning right away, that conflict blows up really quickly and it creates a lot of problems. So I do think this will be a good hire. They'll they'll probably want to try to extend Carr's contract at least a year so they have two years to say to Carr, look, here's where we are, here's the offense, can you handle it? We're not going to get a better player than Carr anywhere. So what's the sense of trading them? Find out how you can get a deal done and see what happens and see how they rebuild this organization. With Ziegler and Josh, I think they will now set up an organization, not just run plays. When Gruden was there with Mayock, it was just it was, it was a mess because there really wasn't a system in place because John really never knew a system. He's never was part of a system-based organization that has a process. I think this will be a lot different.
2: I know this sounds weird, but with the Gruden and Mayock thing, the vibe was always kind of amateurish, which sounds odd because those are two very seasoned guys. But just the way it was run seemed like shooting from the hip in a way. I I don't, I don't know if that makes sense.
1: And I said this and I said this that when they hired him, I said that John is not a very good personnel guy. John is not a guy who's ever been around a place where they develop talent, where they really understand the process that goes into it. I said that from day one. And so, you know, that proved to be true because I'd been around John. I'd seen him. And Mike didn't know. Mike had just come from the TV booth, and everybody thinks because you scout players, you can become a general manager. No, it's a little bit harder job. You've got to run the personnel department. You've got to organize people. You've got to do all these different layers. It's a challenging job. Does it does it help to say, yeah, you can judge talent? Yeah, sure. However, that being said, it's a harder job than just that.
2: The most excited person on the well, – first off, Raiders fans, I'd be excited. I, I McDaniels is offensive mine, and Derek Carr should be thrilled. I mean – getting that type of mind to come in at this point your mm-hmm. career and try to take you to that next level. McDaniel's and Carr to me sounds like a good match.
1: Well, I will say this. They they will ne- th- th- this will be a completely different way of doing offense that they've ever seen before. And I would be shocked after 3 months of being around Josh Carr doesn't say, "Wow, this is my eyes have been open." And if he has any questions, he can call Brady because Brady would say the same thing. I mean, these this they know what to do. Now, Josh has got to be better than he was in Denver. He's got to be better with the people. He's got to lead better. He's got to train people within the organization. He's got to get everybody on the same page. Those are all things that have to happen, but they have to happen everywhere. And I think he's willing to do it. I think he can do it because I think he's learned from his mistakes. Well, he's
2: 45 now. He was hired by Denver 13 years ago. I would imagine there's been some growth in that period in between. Uh, Didn't he go right from the Raiders for a year to St st louis and then maybe he's been with he's been back in new england ever since
1: so he went from he went from the denver he got fired then he went to st louis with spagnola and then billy o'brien had just gotten the penn state job right. and then he went back to new england at that point and when billy o'brien was at, was going to penn state and so that's how long he's been back there and look he said numerous i mean when i was in cleveland we tried to hire him he, he left the he, he didn't want that job he He didn't want to leave at that point. I think he's really spent a lot of time deciding on what job he was going to take. Indianapolis thought they had him in the bank. I mean, Eberflus was hired by Josh in Indianapolis because he thought he was coming with them. I think so. I do think that. I'm sorry. I think he's now at the point where he has an owner that he feels like will allow him to to let him run the team and has an appetite for what he wants to do. You know, I don't think Denver had the appetite for him to radically change. And Denver was a remember-when place. You know, they were with Mike Shanahan, and they were going to change. The, you know, that's a hard transition. And as I've said, it's hard to retrain people that have been stuck in one way, and that creates much conflict.
2: I think the Raiders' job is a really good What you've always stressed about Davis, Davis is underrated in the sense that he does allow his people to do their things, and it's kind of under the radar. The expectations aren't off the charts, and there's buzz yeah. building here in Vegas. It's kind of like a budding yeah. – it's weird. It's a, it's a budding franchise. I, when I went to that game against the uh, ch- Chargers, Michael, there was a palpable buzz in and around this, this, the park. I, I think it's a good job because you can kind of stay under the yeah. radar with the Raiders a little bit too.
1: And it's going to have a chance to do what he can do. And, you know, he'll get a good defense coordinator in there, let him kind of handle what he Fangio? needs to do within the with, – Within it could be I mean vic 's going to be in the man look vic, vic was all these guys are up for head coaching jobs down in Jacksonville, I mean Jacksonville, you could be a thirty for thirty documentary on how bad they they 're doing this search right now i mean it 's a joke I mean you know they don 't want to get rid of balky, but nobody wants to come work for Balky, so balky keeps continuing to interview people that will say yes to him, Basace maybe i don 't even know if Vic Fangio would take that job, and, and that 's becoming meanwhile left is out in the dark, so it 's going to be it 's going to be a hard hard. Hard go in Jacksonville, and they haven't gotten it right. I mean, look, they just haven't gotten it right. And they were the first ones in. The, they were the first ones out there.
2: The owners there in Jacksonville. Does Trent Balky have pictures? Like, what is going on with the with the <laughs> I think ma- they feel badly.
1: I think they feel badly because they stuck him with with uh, uh, Urban Meyer, and it wasn't his fault things went so bad. But at some point, they've been told by agents. The, their ownership group has been told by agents in the league that look no disrespect to trent but we don't know trent we don't want to work with trent Ziegler in 20 seconds what's his background started with josh mcdaniels in denver then came into new england with us there and has been trained in that system understands it will be a good asset for josh and belichick respects him no doubt okay
2: so mcdaniels and Ziegler, a tandem here in las vegas We've got more. Minnesota's open. Jacksonville, as Michael mentioned, is open. And some rumors as far as some coaches headed to Minnesota to interview. That's next here, Lombardi Line.
1: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi, now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. If
2: you missed any part of our show, Lombardi Line, or anything scheduled on Vsin today, we've got all the podcasts, all the shows archived. VSEN.com slash podcast. It's awesome. Don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. There's a bunch up there. You can check out the Lombardi Line wherever you find your podcasts, and especially at vsincom slash podcast. Uh, beating the book with Gil alexander market insights josh applebaum we've got hardwood handicappers jbt lombardi line follow the money my guys in the desert coast to coast hoops and much more they're all available and they're all free for download right now com slash podcast may i ask michael lombardi there in jersey i'm patrick mark mm-hmm. the um so kind of similar to matt lafleur and mm-hmm. zach taylor the Kevin O'Connell train is now starting to catch some steam, mm-hmm. right? So if, yeah. you're, if you're associated with McVay, O'Connell, I don't know if he's the quarterback coach or the O.C. there. McVay is the O.C. who he
1: calls the plays. McVay runs the offense. Yeah, I mean he There's does. no doubt. He runs the offense, and so it's, it's, he's the quarterback coach. And they say he's very bright, very, uh, very in tune offensively. Third-round pick out of San Diego State of the Patriots. You know, it'd been a few different places. He was in Washington, uh, you know, and then he came to to Los Angeles with uh, with McVay. So obviously he's got some good training. I think a lot of it is, you know, you, people want to touch the magic of this offense and, and get closer. And we're seeing it. I mean, we're seeing it with this is what people want. They want to have a guy that they can rely on to coach and. uh you know, one side of the football and feel like he can fix that offense.
2: How does it work with he and Raheem Morris? Morris, the defensive coordinator there with the Rams. Will they be able to interview uh, as
1: we head into the Super Bowl here? Great question. I I would think they would be, especially now that we have two weeks before the Super Bowl and it gives you a bye week. So I I definitely think that would be the case. I think that, you know, they could do that. And then from there, uh, you know, then they could make – I don't think he could hire, though. I don't think he could hire. But – I'm sure, you know, like I think they're both in Minnesota. I think O'Connell's involved in Houston. I don't know if they're in in the Jacksonville one right now. What do we have? Four and then the Saints is that that would be four. I don't know if they're in the Saints either. It doesn't sound like it.
2: There isn't a weirder and honestly, if you think about what Raheem Morris, he must have been thirty when he was tied with Freeman down in Tampa Bay. He had a great first year and then it unraveled quickly. He was uh, early 30s if he was and he, he's kind of he's had successful stints as a DC and hasn't gotten another job that's a pretty fascinating guy raheem morris yeah
1: yep, yep. Uh, and obviously if you want to say the same thing i mean he got you know he wasn't ready to be a head coach for the tampa bay buccaneers and he got you know he got into a situation that didn't really work out too well for him and then eventually he did Get to uh, he did get to uh, you know got the coordinators and he proved his worth. I mean, look when he took over for Dan Quinn last year, they improved their defense in Atlanta. I think he's really more responsible for Dan Quinn changing than anybody.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. So that is uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. I think you were on with the morning show today talking about Harbaugh. Just a quick word on him. It does seem like where there's smoke, there's fire with him. It seems like he's going to jump.
1: Well, I think he, I think he's interested in jumping and obviously everybody thought it was going to be the Raiders and they didn't show an interest in him there. They went in another direction. But I just think to me, what I said on the, what I said to, to Mitch and Paulie this morning was, you know, and maybe this is because I've been reading these books about the Kennedy assassination and I'm just completely conspiracized through everything. But it just doesn't make any sense that Minnesota is willing to interview Jim Harbaugh and Miami. Who Stephen Ross that owns the team is a huge fan of Jim Harbaugh and thinks he's one of the best coaches in the league. And if you're Steven Ross, are you going to let Jim Harbaugh, a Michigan alum, take another job without offering you your job? Like you're down to you because Dayball takes the giant job, you're down to you're down to Mike McDaniel and Kellen Moore, both that don't really come off as inspirational leaders. They may come off as play callers, but they don't they don't look like, wow, they have a command of the room. And so to me, I think this whole Minnesota thing is almost like a staging for him to say to Ross, look, I'm gonna, I could get the Minnesota job. Why don't you hire me in Miami? And, and for Ross to say, OK, let me just get this done. Now, I'm not I'm not alienating Minnesota. I'm not alienating my alma mater. I'm just going to he was going to leave anyway.
2: Isn't the easy answer? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And also, isn't the easy answer for Kennedy, Sam Giancana? I mean, come on. Can't we just focus on
1: It just, everything in it's that not era. that easy, Patrick. I know you it's might not, think it's that I, easy. I, I know, it's I, not that I, there's but, so but many, so you many know, tangents you, you know can go down the road. Anybody.
2: You know, with with whether it be Sinatra and Giancana had his hand in everything. Literally, he had yeah. his hand in Cuba. He had his hand in everything. I, we, but I digress.
1: The well, I mean, if you really want to go, it's really Carlo Marcello is really the guy that you got to do a lot of work on. He's okay. kind of he was the boss of New Orleans and. You know, and he had linkage to a lot of these these con, c- these characters in New Orleans, whether it was David Ferry, whether it's Clay Shaw, whether it was Lee Harvey Oswald when he was handing out Guy Bannister on the street corner. You know, those are all relevant things as you go through this. And, I have to and look I'm not him a detective. I'm, gonna look- I'm not a detective, you know, but there's there's so many subplots to this whole thing. There's a guy a guy named Richard Case Nagel who walked into a bank in September of 63 walked into a bank in el paso texas he took three gunshots to the roof of the to the ceiling of the bank and got arrested never attempted to rob the bank and they got arrested and when he got arrested he said i just wanted to make sure i wasn't going to be the patsy richard nagel richard case nagel great book on him too by the way i just finished that a couple months ago Anyway, I digress. How no, no, no. I, the digression.
2: Trust me, I, I get into it. And Giancana was the mob boss there in Chicago. I got to read about your guy down in New Orleans, and I'll come back with my report. The, um, but there's there's more to the story. Let's be fair. The, the way more. and
1: way what more. they didn't count on, what, what what they didn't count on is the National Archives down in Maryland. And that has mm-hmm. opened up a whole finally And people it. are actually really good at researching. I mean, I mean, the, all these people that are called buffs, and they, people think they're just, you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. You know, you could spend time on Dorothy Kilgallen, the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the what's my line. I mean, you could spend just time on her alone and find out incredible things. Speaking, but I digress.
2: Speaking of conspiracies, um, McCown to
1: Houston. i'm just playing wow um, Uh, great segue great segue i mean texas anyway we might as well go south the pastor running
2: the organization down there a very i don't know uh mccown has been interviewed it does feel like there could be some momentum building towards josh mccown getting the job with the texans i don't think it's out of question
1: well i don't think it is either but it's almost like a slap to everybody in the profession you know like i mean seriously this guy's really coached at all at the level and you're going to make him you're going to give him a, a promotion I mean, it's really unfair to the guys like bien who have worked their tails off or, you know, guys like Don Martindale who have spent this whole careers doing it. I mean, it's just to me it's you've opened Pandora's box and now you don't even need – now we're becoming the Steve Nash. The NFL is going to become like the NBA. When we know – if you talk to anybody in the NBA, I mean, are we sure Steve Nash is a good coach or does he have good players? Right? You're right. Like, it's, we're not the NBA. We're not the NBA. You got to have experience and talk to the, you got to make decisions. Look at these decisions. We talk about Kyle Shanahan and Sean McBay with, with reverence, and yet we watch them coach on game. Andy Reid's going in the Hall of Fame, and he can't, and he can't even make a simple decision on the game. He calls timeout before he challenges a play, and then he loses a timeout. I mean, this, and, and these are experienced men. Now you want to put somebody inexperienced in it?
2: Well, like we just I I honestly and this is uh, this is me projecting, not Michael Lombardi. I thought McVay and Shanahan lost their minds in that second half. And so those those two have been through the ringer. Imagine just doing it for the first time. The speaking of doing it for the first time, I asked Will what the Tri-State thought about the day ball hire there with the Giants. And he said home run. Well, they're doubling down on and they should. Daniel Jones. Mara said he has confidence in the neck issue. And Dayball said he's very high on Daniel Jones. Any thoughts there?
1: Well, I mean, he has to be, right? I mean, let's be honest. Why not? I mean, he's not going to say he's not. And, 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 and look, in all fairness, he should be high. He, he should go in with a positive framework of going not beginning with the end in mind. He should go in there and say, hey, look, I could turn this guy around. This is why they hired me. I mean, the reason they hired him is his expertise in quarterbacking. You know, and you know that's why he got the job because there was a long period of time where Brian didn't have very good quarterbacks. He was he couldn't get an interview. I mean, I love Brian to death, and I think Brian will do a great job with the New York Giants. But we couldn't even he couldn't even get to the the offensive coordinator chair in Cleveland when we were there when Mike Pettin became the head coach because he had had not much success. A lot of it has to do with the people around you, and so I think he's got to make this guy a player. But as long as he keeps an open mind about look I am not going to go all in I am just going to uh, to evaluate him and then when we to see what he can do make that decision
2: if somebody was being hired in this cycle for making chicken soup out of chicken ass it would honestly be Bill O'Brien who won without quarterbacks and
1: has experience yeah, I mean look yeah I mean yeah but Bill's not popular on Twitter that's and so fair. Because if you're not popular <laughs> on Twitter and you're not popular in the analytical community, you're going to get killed. The, the analytical community controls the Twitter. That's They're so, good at it.
2: It's, it. It is so true. It is it is wild. Okay. So there it is. Coaching Carousel continues to spin. We'll have the, the answers. The JFK
1: Coaching Carousel.
2: Right. What's the name of the the uh, the guy the mobster down in New Orleans? Richard
1: oh. Case Nagel. Oh, Carlos Marcello. Carlo Machello. Okay. your great Boys. restaurant on the outskirts of town you have to hit okay. that he owns
2: I'm gonna go today we come back with Josh next here at Lombardi line
1: you're listening to the Lombardi line on VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi now once again here's Patrick Maher
2: okay if you're getting ready to watch the big game we all are. Vison's got you covered. The 56 hours of free video coverage continues into the 6th annual Live Big Game Betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now. Vison betting experts during, before and after the game, all at Vison.com. It's VSIN.com. Okay, Michael Lombardi there in a cold it's cold still. I mean, it's you guys. I guess the precipitation has stopped, but it's freezing there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Meyer here in Vegas, where <laughs> right around 60. I think you'd take 60 right now if I handed it to you, right? 60 degrees. Start, 60
1: would be nice. Patrick, start melting yes, some yeah. of that snow. Bella uh, can run around we're a little get to bit. Fi- I think we're going to get to 55 on. Uh, I think we're going to get to 55 on, on Wednesday. So maybe some. There's no room for the snow, Patrick. I mean, you can't. I mean, literally, you have to climb a mountain to get over the, the park your car, and you got to climb over the snow. It's a, It's really, there's no room for it.
2: You know how we were, make, we were messing with Ashley, uh, we had on from First Bet, because she's down in Miami yeah. for the uh, Pegasus. It was mm-hmm. literally like in the low 50s. It was everybody, had, they had they had scarves on. I was like, oh, we were kind of giving her a hard time. It is cold, but it, there was a nor'easter they were dealing with, and also dealing with the nor'easter, which josh applebaum he joins us now market insights
0: is the pod slash podcast mm-hmm. staying warm josh how are we feeling today <laughs> oh we're doing well guys great to be with you patrick and michael yeah so we're all shoveled out it's actually kind of sunny today so yeah there's a light at the end of the tunnel here but yeah i got got about two and a half feet here in boston so uh, i know michael uh, it was like a scene from the sopranos going up and down the boardwalk there when tony saw the fish with big puss so a lot, you, had to, you had to you know shovel that all out michael but how you doing you doing okay
1: I'm good. I'm doing really good. I mean, you know, it was a good day to watch football. A little depressing. We won't have any more, but it was good. I mean, I think it was, you know, look, it's, as, as the great Bill Berman said, it's, it's January, February. It's winter. We've got to deal with it, right?
2: We are going to deal two and a half feet, Josh. Is, uh, that's pretty wild. Get the sled out. Okay. What, start with the number. Did everybody open four and still sitting four? As Michael mentioned, even the juice at 110 here on the Super Bowl. And wh- where's the total sitting?
0: Yeah, so early movement here, guys. We're going to have two weeks to kind of really analyze this from every single angle, but obviously we want to look at, hey, where was the immediate move here? So really immediate move was a little bit toward the Rams. A lot of these books or a few at least open the early early number at minus three and a half Rams. Remember this is, it's weird. They're quote unquote the road team, but they're actually at home. So you kind of got got to get that distinction. Just say, hey, neutral site, I guess, even though it is a home game, uh, but open minus three and a half immediately got up to four. So I think any of that, you know, below four, three and a half money got hit Laid it with the Rams. Now we're pretty much minus 110 both sides uh and if you look at the total guys also some under money came in really happened today you know open around 50 and a half or 49 and a half now it's down to 48 and a half so over the last you know hour or so you saw a lot of movement here to the under if you're looking at um Cincinnati Bengals though guys I know the early move was to the Rams but there's a lot of reasons to look at look at dogs in the Super Bowl if you look at the last 14 years dogs 10 and 4 ATS uh, against the spread here the Bengals with Burrow 13, 4, and 1 against the spread. And we have seen the Bengals as a dog getting 3.5 or more. 5-0 ATS this year. So you have seen these dogs kind of bark. Remember we saw it last year, obviously in, with Tom Brady being a dog against the Chiefs. So uh, the public early on is leaning with the Rams here at BetMGM. They're getting 58% of bets, 67% of money. I want to know, does it get to 4.5? I'd be looking at buying low in the Bengals plus the points in this spot, guys, based on some of these historical matchups. And then, Michael, your take on that under, you know, we have seen Cincy 3-0 to the under this playoffs. Uh, we have the Rams 2-1 and to the under, and the immediate move was going under here.
1: You know, I mean, look, pace is always so important. And we talked about it yesterday, about why the unders were going to be in play. Because, you know, we knew that in the last game, the Chiefs and the Bengals were limited to nine possessions. And we also knew that the that the Rams, I mean, look, how many times were we watching the Rams 49er game? Where, where the play clock looked like it was on double zeros. They worked it all the way down. And, you know, they never called very many delay of the games. And sometimes, to my chagrin, I thought that for sure. So we know they play a slow pace, too. And I think it behooves the Bengals to play a slow pace because the more they have to play keep up, you know, it could expose this offensive line that Barrow has been able to move and maneuver himself around. I mean, this will be, if they win a Super Bowl with this offensive line, this will, you know, no longer hold the theory that, you know, you've got to have a great line to win a title.
2: Yep, absolutely. Okay, with plenty to come over the next 13 days. As a matter of fact, in the next segment, Michael, I want to ask you what these, what, what the schedule's like you know they win the championship yesterday we've got two weeks ahead of you we'll walk through kind of what these teams go through moving forward for you josh today we transition to the nba we've got to play on two pretty damn good teams here the grizz and the 76ers i got this one opening with the 76ers three and a half but we flipped yes
0: we did flip guys. I think this is the importance of you know the NBA being on Twitter, tracking these injuries here. The NBA can be really maddening as a better because you know you can spend all morning breaking out a game and then you know big players out and it kind of throws up your old handicap. You can throw it in the trash here. This is kind of what happened with this line move toward the Grizzlies. It opened sixers at home laying four. It's now flipped to Grizzlies laying four. The reason for that, anytime you see a big move, go To the injuries, Joel Embiid is going to miss this game, uh, resting his knee. Guy's been on fire recently, his MVP odds have skyrocketed. But in situations like this, guys, I know it's kind of a big number, but I'd be looking at money lining the Grizzlies here with Embiid out. You're laying about a minus 165. Obviously, if you're you know plugged into Twitter and you could have jumped on you know the Grizzlies getting do- uh, any kind of dog price or kind of an even pick them, that's really what you w- would have preferred here. But a lot of reasons to like uh, the Grizzlies in this spot, obviously, no Embiid, but also if you look at um, kind of the way they've gone home road 17 and seven against the spread on the road. You have three road refs tonight, all favoring road teams and also offense defense uh, efficiency, both favor uh, the Grizzlies here with John Morant playing. So I'd look at money lining the Grizzlies. And this is the kind of play that if you want to bet information based bets in the NBA, based on injuries, this is the sort of thing you want to look at.
2: Yeah. This is um, your buddy,
1: Mr. Embiid. Hey, by the way, did you, I mean, he deserves it. I mean, he, de- I mean, the he guy deserves has the rest. Been, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as critical as I've been over over him, I think finally this is the one year where he has shown and demonstrated that he's worked at his game, his passing is much improved, uh, his conditioning is much improved, and he's been able to put a team on his back and carry them, what are they, third in the East right now? I mean, he's actually done the things that I think you have to give him credit for it of being the guy, and I've talked to people in the league that, that have said he's a better teammate this year, that he's actually participating. He's not just pulling his chair up into the team meetings and sitting off to the side. He's engaging, and he's, like, enjoying it. And I think with the addition of Maxie has given him some renewed life. So I, I think he certainly de- deserves it. And, you know, and look, who knows what's going to happen at the trade deadline as they try to go forward with this team. But I think they're making a huge mistake because as prone to injury as he is, I think that they need to act, not take a bad deal, but I think they need to maximize the years that Embiid is playing like this.
2: Don't you think a lot of that leadership has to do with he, the subtraction of Simmons, him putting into the forefront, and people saying, okay, all attention on you, you can't bl- we can't just pass the blame to Simmons anymore, and I think he's kind of galvanized around that, Michael.
1: No, no doubt. I think that he has. And I think the team has. And, and, and I mean, he's become a better player, too, because, you know, when the ball would go into the low post, he would have a hard time understanding, you know, where to throw, how the spacing was. And, you know, they're not a great team, but I think he makes them great because of his dominance and ability to play extended minutes and also at the defensive end.
2: Speaking of not a great team. A kid you loved coming out is starting to play very well. Jalen Suggs down in Orlando. Love coming back from the injury, the thumb injury, he's been playing awesome. And my guy, Cade Cunningham, has been playing great in Detroit. Duarte, the 24-year-old rookie, Josh, with Indianapolis, like the Pacers, has been awesome. And Mobley has been great in Cleveland. We've got a lot of good rookie play. Now, speaking of guys that want to enter the league eventually, we've got a college game tonight. ACC, two hot teams. Duke, winners of three straight. Notre Dame, who's been hot as anybody, won 10 of 11 coming into this matchup tonight, Josh.
0: Yeah, so really not a lot of games tonight, Patrick, but this is one that really caught my eye. I'm looking at Notre Dame in the points here. This is kind of a blueprint play for me. Number one, you know, Duke big name team, you get your Duke, your Kentucky or UNC automatically on kind of a sleepy Monday where, you know, we're already uh, missing football already. What do you want to do and bet tonight? You want to bet Duke big name team here, the ranked ninth in the country. They're 17 and three, whereas Notre Dame, even though they have a good record, 14 and six, they're unranked. So the public automatically jumping on Duke here uh, just because of that big number nine in front of their game. But if you look at the way this line is. Tra- Trended. Public is all over Duke, laying the points here. Yet Duke's getting, uh you know, like 80% of bets. Except the line isn't going further to Duke. It opened pretty much minus five and a half Duke on the road. Never got to six. And actually, juice-wise, looks like it's trending down to five. So I'd be looking at grabbing the points here. Notre Dame at home. This would kind of be a bet against the public in a big, heavily bet conference game here. Conference dogs with that familiarity, you know, tend to bark a little bit louder. You also look at Notre Dame nine and zero oh at home. Uh, Ken Palm has Duke winning by five. So if you're getting that hook could uh, really come up big for you, kind of like the 49ers yesterday.
2: Yeah, I think it's like Duke's more talented, but Notre Dame has the experience, and it's such a huge spot for the program hmm. uh, in the ACC. Two, both teams, I think, 7-2 and two in the ACC. So there it is. Um, Josh, good job, Market Insights, betting across America with Pritch coming up later today as well. Thank you, buddy.
0: I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, also, Josh. looking for another one, Patrick. Penn State, they're kind of an inflated line spot. Everyone on Iowa, you're now getting plus five Penn State at home. That could be a value play too. the Big
2: Ten. There isn't an easy game in the Big Ten this year. It's absolutely (laughs) brutal. It really, really is. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay. When we come back, I, I want to, this is something that Matt Santos brought up to me, Michael, during the break. And that is, so what's, what happens now? It's like, yeah. there is so much time that it does feel like one of those things as a coach. Not really. It's, it's, that's exactly right. So let's come back and discuss what do these two teams, the Bengals and the Rams do here on out? We know some of the Rams assistants are potentially interviewing for jobs. Let's come back and talk about that with Michael Lombardi next here at Lombardi League.
1: To the Lombardi line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay,
2: BetMGM and the NBA. It's quite a combination. And tonight, if you bet 10 bucks on any team to win, regardless of the bet's outcome, if in the game there's a three pointer hit, you're going to win $200. So it's easy. Plus, you're going to earn MLife rewards. Just have to use the VSIN code, VSIN200, over at BetMGM.com or download the app. Again, eligibility restrictions by betmgm.com. excuse me, for terms and conditions 21 years or older. This is a new customer offer paid for and free bets. Gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available, Mississippi or Nevada. I just saw this. This is uh, pretty cool. Burrow since 2019. This is a pretty good run. Won the Heisman, won the national championship. He was the number one overall pick, and now he's going to the
1: Super Bowl. He, he Amazing, that, right? that kid is special. And couldn't dude. beat out Dwayne Haskins. And couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins. I, it, think about that. that it I is. mean, couldn't think about that. There was somebody posted something on Twitter today, a comment that that uh, Urban made about how he wasn't as accurate as Dwayne Haskins. You think Pittsburgh Wait, would consider what? trading yeah, I saw it somewhere. I should have saved it. I should have sent it to the great Matt Santos. Do you think Pittsburgh would consider trading Haskins for Burrow right now? You think Haskins
2: simply isn't a pro, and Burrow is yeah. on uh, Burrow,
1: the ultimate pro.
2: He, he, how about some of the Houdini like evading Jones yesterday? That like was unbelievable. He has an innateness to his game that is awesome. And those, by the I way, mean, those two throws it. on the first drive should have been touchdowns. Like he was accurate yeah, as all get down. out.
1: It was really great. I mean, it's just remarkable. And he's, you know, like what he's, this has been a carryover. He's got that Tom Brady-like quality where he kind of seems to be able to play the game with great poise. And we talked about it on Sunday morning, about how he's been sacked more than David Carr in his career, in the first 28 games of his career, yet his eye level never goes down, you know, no matter how many times they hit him, you know, and he's able to do the things he has to do and, They've got the receivers and the skills. He loses his tight end early in the game, and they're able to overcome that as well. So, look, I, I, I have doubted this team all year long. I don't understand it. I talk to my friends in the league, and I keep asking them, like, what am I missing here? And I think what I'm missing is I'm not giving Barrow enough credit. I'm not getting him enough credit for what he's been able to do. And their defense, and look, their defense has been stellar come playoff time. I mean, I know the Raiders moved the ball and ran the ball on them, but they didn't do it enough. And the Chiefs did it in the first half, and Tennessee did it, average seven yards of play, but they found a way to win that game. If
2: you're Zach Taylor, you have to I'm, – I'm sure he would acknowledge how fortuitous he is to get Burrow because I, I love that stat you bring up about David Carr because since then we've talked about how you can ruin a player. Well, Burrow's been hurt hit more and has only gotten stronger. So these are just two completely yeah. different, meaning if Taylor was put in a situation where they drafted David Carr with number one overall, he'd be without a job. Instead, he gets the fortune of getting Burrow, and he's on his way to the Super Bowl. That is, that's really what yeah. it comes down to.
1: And look, give them credit. I mean, that draft was, remember, it was tank for two. That was a tank for two draft. We didn't even know about Joe Burrow before that draft. I mean, in the offseason, he hadn't done anything at LSU to make you think, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to be great. So it was a tank for two draft. And everybody was giving Miami a hard time because, you know, they were trying to lose. And, and the worldwide leader was saying it was a disservice to their players. And then all of a sudden, you know, Miami started to win a game. And now they weren't tanking for two. And here the Bengals you know they 're in perfect position to pick Burrow. I mean give them credit. I mean, they made the right pick they, they put skilled players around them i mean i I, I, I would say I was wrong i 've drafted Sewell because i I believe offensive line wins, but they 've been disproving that offensive line theory. Can it continue i don 't know. I mean, could I see them next year struggling with this line if they don 't improve it? Sure, but they 've got Burrow, and now they 've got something that they can build on plus there 's such a confidence which I think we felt yesterday watching it when they're down 21 to 3 there was a sense of confidence that they have with him in their huddle and they weren't going to let that go
2: yeah even when they show you know pictures of him on the sideline he's just steel man and he got he got Joe Brady paid. I mean, Joe Brady may be a, a brilliant. He may end up being having a wonderful career. But think about what Burrow did for him off that one season at LSU. He got him a job in the Bigs. I mean, it's just it, yeah. a quarterback can do a lot for you. I guess is my bigger point. No doubt,
1: no doubt. I mean, look, it, it, it is the key, and we've seen it. Right, we've seen it with with guys that now become head coaches in the National Football League. They've been able to, you know, they get these jobs and. And, and because they're coaching a really good player and that good player allows them to get that to get that job. So
2: we talked before the break about these next 13 days for these teams. And we said there's so much time for fans. There's so much time. Let's walk through what these teams, the Rams and Bengals, go through logistically from here on out.
1: Well, th- this is what I think fans have to understand is this week is the week. This is the week of preparation. This is the week of game planning. So what happens today is Monday. So the the Bengals coaches are going to go in their office and they're going to stay on the normal routine. They're going to stay. They're going to work. They're going to break down the Rams. They're going to work to Monday. Tuesday, the players are off. Wednesday, they'll bring the players back in. And on Wednesday, they will introduce the game plan. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'll have their practices. Saturday, probably give the players' day off. Sunday, travel to Los Angeles. Monday, get a walkthrough, and then Tuesday, players off, and then start the start the process all over. They will tinker with the game plan, but by the time they get on that game, by the time they get on that plane to go to Los Angeles, the game plan will be already done. It's the same thing I think you're going to see with the, with the Rams. They'll do the same thing. I mean, they are going to – they're going to work on their game plan. They're going to do everything in their power to fix what they need to fix. And then from there, they will continue to modify and adjust and make changes, continue to look at it. But everything will be pretty much done, you know, even though they don't have to go anywhere.
2: The By the way, I don't know if it's pumped
1: in, but didn't SoFi seem loud, like, astronomically,
2: really loud. like astronomically
1: loud to you? loud it really did Patrick and, and and I wasn't sure you know I mean there were some Rams fans there there's no doubt and you know both teams are using the silent count yeah you know, that's right. both that's teams are right. using the silent count I, I didn't see there was a differentiation between the two how will this be for the Super Bowl I, I don't know I mean you know the tickets to get to the Super Bowl are hard they're challenging and you'll know by the prices of the Super Bowl how much the demand is you know, how much the Bengal fans will travel out there, how much the, the, you know, the Rams fans was just sitting right there so they can go. And it, it's not much of a travel for them. Plainly spoken, I
2: don't think this is going to be nationally. Again, the numbers are going to be astronomical. They always are. I don't know if the matchup intrigues people, you know, the casual football fan. But within our circle, I think it's an amazing matchup.
1: I think Burrow really does it for you. And Burrow's got that Montana, Brady-like quality where you're looking at him and you're saying, well, he just doesn't look overly impressive. And then when you watch him play, he's like, wow.
2: Yeah, he's really shockingly good." shockingly good. You
1: know, it's like, it's like, you know, here he is. You know, it's like Montana. I mean, Montana was recruited to go play basketball at NC State when he was in high school. I mean, that's how good of an athlete Montana was. And this is when NC State, which I'm not saying they're not good now, was really good in basketball. So that's the kind of athlete. And Joe was a skinny kid. I mean, this is the same thing with Burrow. He, they, he, it's that it factor. When your mama lifts you from the crib, you either have it or you don't. He has it. He has that ability uh, to, to anticipate throws, to make throws, to do all the things he has to do. And, and I think it's, uh, it, you know, and I think people gravitate to that. And I think that's why I think people will want to watch him play.
2: Here's what it is. And there's just some special kids. You grew up with them as well. But in the state of Ohio, which is an athletic hotbed, he just simply was the best athlete all around in the state of Ohio at his age. That's what he was. Basketball, football. He was a like he's gifted. He's gifted. And now here he is going to the Super Bowl. And I think the yeah, I extra think element no is what you said about Brady. When they show him on the sidelines, it's almost like he, he's just like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm unbothered. And that element is something that you can't. That's not the David Carr that we saw. This is a different situation. No.
1: I mean, and get hit all over the place and still make all the throws he has to make. And, you know, he's not going to be intimidated by Aaron Donald lining up against Spain, who we know can't block him, but who, you know, how they handle it or not, you know. So I, I think it's, you know, and look, give the Bengal coaches credit. I mean, they, they found ways to work around this offensive line. I think a lot of that was, was, was tied to Zach Taylor's play calling because Zach Taylor's play calling was so dependent upon you know, of trying to protect this offensive line and not exposing him, not creating the turnover that perhaps could cost him the game, even though Joe did turn the ball over. Kid made a great play on that. But I think that's really what it is. And maybe that
2: extra level of, you know, specialization for Burrow, that when he got away from Jones, you see he's an athlete. Like, this isn't just a guy that's, like, good in the pocket. No, he can get out and move.
1: He, he really is, Patrick. I mean, and he's got such a sense of it, too, and with his eyes are up, he's like the boxer that knows a punch is coming and doesn't need to see where it's coming from. You know, he just has a great innate instincts to move in the pocket. He's got great pocket presence, and it benefits him greatly behind this line that doesn't really protect him. He knows how to slide and move up and then move out, and, and then able to make some throws like he did on the move when he made that throw to Chase over there by the, the Chiefs bench. It's really kind of really it's, it's fun to watch, and I'm, we're we're going to enjoy this for years to come. Yeah, it's there's no doubt if they keep him healthy.
2: Yeah, that's right. Two weeks from now, he's not going to blink. We know that. So, whether or not the Rams nope. win, that's another thing. We know Burrow is not going to be affected by what happens a couple Sundays from now. Michael, enjoy the day. Stay warm over there, and I'll see you on Thursday. Okay? Thanks, Patrick. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Thank Bye-bye. you very much. That's Michael Lombardi, M. Lombardi NFL. Of course, Lombardi Line tomorrow. We will see you on Wednesday and Thursday next. Mike and them all, odds on.